Welcome back to more to come, BW Comics World's podcast covering the world of graphic novels. And uh, this is Heidi McDonald. I'm live at New York Comic Con, as if you couldn't tell from the happy hubbub in the background. And I, right now I'm here with Sandy King Carpenter, uh, who is the writer on John Carpenter's Asylum and uh, the, with Storm King Productions. What is your title at Storm King Productions? Oh, it's my company. I'm the CEO. <laughs> well, she's the, the, the kingpin of Storm King Productions, so it's her company. Uh, there you go. <laughs> and uh, your graphic novel with art by the wonderful Argentinian artist Leonardo Manco is debuting at the show. It's a preview here? or No, we've actually been going. This is our third year at the show, oh, okay. but it's really one year into the comic, and what is debuting here is the trade paperback. Ah, right, okay, the, that's what I meant, is that the complete book is available at the show. Now, Sandy, you have a very wide background in film, you've produced and, and supervised and pretty much done it all. Um, you're incredibly accomplished in the world of Hollywood, so what are you doing here at this comic book convention? <laughs> well... For years, people have come to John Carpenter and wanted to put his name on horror comic books, generally because their books weren't very good and they were trying to sell the brand. Right. He never did it. And finally, one time, we, we came upon a story and developed a story in-house, the same way we do our movies, that we thought would make a good comic book. We don't think all movies make great comics. We don't think all comics make great movies. This story lent itself to being a comic. So we researched, we thought about it, we spent two years developing it, and basically I go to the, a few of the conventions with the comic. Yeah. Um, but you also are a longtime comics reader, is that true? Or? Yeah, I'm a longtime comics reader, but really what made comics a decent fit for us was I came from animation. Uh, and the process is similar. So my background before movies was art. And my personal affinity comes from the art in the comics. And then as storytellers, we cross mediums and our fans cross mediums. So it really wasn't an outrageous fit. Right, right. Now, uh, when you said this, that you felt like this story was, was right for comics, what, what, what made it so? Well, two things happened. One was that Thomas Ian Griffith, who had had a notion for a character that was kind of unique with the gift of discernment, which makes him somewhat of a Jekyll and Hyde, we'd been dreaming up something we thought might make a good television series. And we were working with John and, and making up an atmosphere and environment. And generally, we do a lot of art when we go in to put something together. Sure, produ production art and so right. on, concept art. Exactly. And in the course of that, it kept looking really effective, really moody, and was really bending towards the art. And in the middle of a, of a major studio meeting, when we were just about ready to launch a series, uh, I got in a bit of a hassle with the executives, and some nasty little assistant said, well, it's not like it's a graphic novel, and you have to do it that way. And I said, actually it is. <laughs> and I got kicked by an agent, a manager, and Thomas under the table. We walked out and said, what was that about? And I said, I've had it. It is what it is. It's a comic book. <laughs> and I went home. John said, so how'd the meeting go? And I said, we're doing a comic book. 
there you go. Wow, the uh, you know the the um, rebellious origin of the comic book. Um, um, what is, what's what's the story about? Daniel Beckett is a defrocked Catholic priest. He's seen demons. He's spoken to the devil. He's never seen an angel, and God's never spoken to him. In the course of his travels, he encounters an LAPD homicide detective, and both of them are chasing the same guy. One to lock him up as a serial killer, the other to save his soul. In the meantime, in the city of angels, Lucifer is coming through. Wow, so... Things go downhill from there. Right, right. So this is set in Los Angeles, and... Uh, it starts out in Los Angeles, right. and it gets a little global. You get to destroy Los Angeles. I, I'm, I'm tired of New York always being the city that gets destroyed. I like to see L.A. get a little bit of the destruction. <laughs> yeah, L.A. gets a little bit in trouble. See, L.A. during... One of the things that had occurred to us was that L.A. in what we call the Santa Ana seasons, the wildfire seasons, looks like hell. Right. And it the, does. The skies are always on fire. There's cinders in the wind. And this was one of the things that kept driving us. We kept going, you know, there's the winds, there's the ashes in the air. There's a whole different mood in it. And that was one of the deals that kept driving us going, isn't this kind of a cool notion? Would anybody even notice if demons were flying around? That's true. And that so is. it was all very visually driven. Right. Well, you have, again, you have an artist, uh, Leonardo Manco, who was supposed to be here for this interview and is not here. And because he's not, we get to make fun of him. So, um, you know, we all know New York Comic Con takes a toll on people. Um, so, Leonardo, missing in action. Uh, but he's he's amazing. I mean, of course, he drew some classic issues of uh, Hellblazer with the Warren Ellis issues, um, you know, back at, at Marvel. And he's also worked on some recent comic books that caught your eye that oh he did Girl with the Dragon Tattoo yeah. and uh, I really like Driver for the Dead yes and uh, he had a cinematic eye and I talked to Tim Bradstreet and said tell me about this guy how do I find him and he said did you know he was a big fan of John's and I said cool but how do I find him he said well he's in Buenos Aires didn't turn out to be that tough with him yet. <laughs> and uh, he and I have a great relationship where uh, I write something, um, I send it to him, he gets me on Skype, tells me how bad it is. <laughs> and uh, we fight for about an hour and a half every night on Skype. And it's a great relationship. <laughs> I only have a few bruises. Yeah, that's great. So you you seem to view uh, the creative experience sometimes as a little combative. Um, is that generally true, or is, yeah. why do you? Yeah, no? no, we actually have a great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he is brilliant. Has taught me so much. Uh, you know, it'd be really presumptive uh, to come into another medium. As much as we're storytellers in all the mediums. To come in and go, oh, I know how this is done, because I've read so many comics. That's like saying we can make movies because we've seen so many. Um, Bruce Jones taught me a lot in writing the first issues. Uh, and then, because we knew so much where this had to go, uh, it, it made sense for me to take over. And then I've, I've got another young guy coming on, you know, with other story ideas who is learning comics as well. And 
but Leo is a visual storyteller with a great deal of experience right. and has taught me amazingly when he sits there and goes, what are you thinking? <laughs> How do I know this? How do I know that? And gives me a lot, uh, it gives me a lot of grief, but teaches me a lot. Now, you, uh, you know, have worked on many films um, and, you know, fangirl moment. Among them, they live uh, one of the greatest movies of all times. <laughs> but, um, you, you know, it's interesting. I mean, it takes years to make a movie. Um, it takes months to shoot a movie, uh, you know, to get it distributed. It's just a long, intense pro- process. And, you know, with a comic book, it's like you have this idea. It takes an artist a while to draw it. But, you know, it really could be just you and Leo, you know, and, and a printer. And then you'd get a comic book. I mean, how, does the, how do you feel the two processes compare, you know, creatively for you? Well, that's one of the things that was fun about it. Um... I was really fed up the day I decided to do comics. Uh, with part of the process, particularly we were venturing into television, and this is more fun from that aspect. Uh, it's more immediate, and because it's our company, straight through printing and distributing, I mean, we go through Diamond, but um, I sink or swim. We're not putting anyone else at risk. If I decide to kill off a major character, I don't have anybody else saying, oh, but they're not going to like that in Arkansas. You know, so, get over it. Um, And the immediacy of it is great in both the writing, it's very disciplined, it really helps uh, from a screenwriting standpoint. You have to, it reminds you an economy of getting your beats down and getting your characters down. It's a really disciplined art form. Right. And I would suggest to more screenwriters that they do it in terms of honing your chops. In terms of the overall process, um, yeah, it's, it's faster, it's intense, but it's been a great experience and more fun because then you have it in your hand. Right, right, you know, but then it's, it's complete. You can just give it to someone and they, they have it right there. Yeah, um, it's gratifying. It's right there. It's, it, people are coming by and, and they're, you get this immediate feedback. Now, how do you, coming to the comics industry, you know, dealing with Diamond and all that, you know, we're here at this show, there's fans of all kinds of different medium walking by. Um, I mean, what do you think of the love affair between Hollywood and the, and the comic book? You know, obviously Marvel movies are huge right now biggest thing going um, you know do you think this is going to continue or is it a flash of the pan a trend everything's cyclical um, as long as what you have to do is respect the audience and different executives different regimes take over and whether they learn to respect the comic book audience and not just try and milk it two different things and you can tell the difference in comic book adaptations that are well made and that rocket like say the Iron Man movies right. or Thor That's right. and the ones that really just thought oh we'll just take this adapt it and any comic book geek will go right. same thing in horror we can throw blood on it. No, that's not a horror movie. 
Horror is about your reaction. It's not about what's in it. It's not a plot. I'm being buzzed. There's a, speaking of horror, a bug just appeared here <laughs> inside Comic-Con, so obviously. <laughs> so, again, it's about respecting the medium and respecting the audience. If you are not the audience and you are not in love with the medium, you should probably stay out of it. Right, right. Now, what are, you, what are your hopes? I mean, you're going to continue publishing this? You said you're going to have some new comics come out or some new... Um, yeah, we, we, we've got... Two other stories we're developing. What I have learned is get them all written and done before we start to release them because I really don't need to have three heart attacks at once on deadlines. Right, right. So um, the biggest thing I wanted to do was have one up, running, understand that process better before we tried to launch any more. So I would say the fun thing would be to have maybe a maximum of three books that we thought were cool going and some that are, are limited maybe there's only four issues maybe some are six and maybe one long running this one has I think I've got we've got two more years of it planned out right and then we'll see so uh, just to put this into perspective uh, like you know obviously you have a production company um, you know you're involved with the movie making but now that you're in comics, you want to stay in comics. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I think this is great. I mean, some people, you know, have other hobbies. I uh, I would say that this is my, it's become another part of my profession. But um, it's what I do besides doing movies. And I can't think of a more fun thing to do in the time I'm not doing movies than to write more stories. Right. Now, okay, little loaded question, but... Uh, would you do some John Carpenter comics? <laughs> I do this one. Yeah, yeah, okay. So not any of the old uh, properties. No, I don't. I don't do. Um, I did. I did facilitate the deal for uh, uh, Big Trouble. Right. And another one that will probably come out very soon. Right. And um, there's another thing I'm trying to possibly put together. But, you know, unless there can be a reasonable take on new stories, again, I don't think just because they're successful movie franchises that they should be comics. I don't think we need a Village of the Damned comic. Yeah. No, it's true. And, you know, I notice, I've been in the ministry a long time, um, our readers notice, they know right away. You know, they know right away whether this is something that that is, you know, has a reason for being. And the competition is very fierce, so, you know. Yeah, it made sense when when Ross Ritchie wanted to do Big Trouble as a comic, and it was Eric Powell. Right. I said, okay, Eric Powell can rock that. And, and the take was good, and it was going to be something I thought the fans would like. And John, and I brought... Um, uh, uh, Eric's uh, Chinatown one to John and said, "Okay, right. here's what Eric writes." Yeah, so, yeah, and, that was a no-brainer. So, and that I said, you know, he's got this sense of humor, he's got this vibe, right? And that made sense. Other things don't necessarily make sense. Just again, just because it's a successful movie franchise doesn't mean it's going to make great money. Right. Um, well, there's certainly, you know, some fun stuff there, but, uh, you know, it has to be the right thing. But meanwhile, uh, Asylum is out in collection uh, here. What's uh, booth 2029? Yes. Okay, so you can come over. Uh, Lee, Leonardo, 
will be found. He will be here signing as Will Sandy. Uh, and, you know, you can get your copy signed. And uh, so come on and check it out. So, Sandy, thank you so much for your time I'm here at this hubbub. I'm at the hubbub. <laughs> Thanks for coming by. Hi, Heidi McDonald for PW Comics World's More to Come podcast, and I'm still at New York Comic Con. Still very near the very loud new uh, Marvel booth, so uh, we'll have to cut that out if it goes on. But I have the pleasure of sitting here with, with Liam Sharp, the chief creative officer of Madefire, which is uh, a digital publisher, a digital platform. What, what is Madefire? It's all of the above, I think. Uh, um, it's a, yes, we're, we're, we're a publisher. Uh, we've also built tools for other publishers. Um, my background's obviously comics. I've been in it for 25 years and I've worked for all the big boys. Um, but there's also a lot of um, stories I wanted to tell, my own stories. And uh, somewhere along the line, I, I flirted with print publishing in the mid-2000s, which was a great adventure, but it was also exactly the wrong time to attempt such a foolish thing. Um, and it was very clear that there was going to be adventures in digital to be had. So really it was about how do, you, how do you create a platform that storytellers can tell their own stories, put them in a new place on the web or on apps, uh, and protect them, be able to charge for them, uh, be able to sell them, and not have them easily pirated. Uh, and along the way, in the process of that, we kind of thought, actually, we shouldn't just treat this as a, as a piece of paper. We should see actually what the possibilities are. So we started evolving the, the storytelling, and it became a whole new thing, really. Right, right. Well, like, you've been at this for two years, three years? How long? Uh, we're three years old. Now. Three years? Wow. So, Time flies. We're having fun, doesn't it? We had it. Well, we actually were... Uh, four years ago, we were at San Diego Comic-Con with Dave Gibbons and it was me basically me, Ben and Dave Gibbons Ben Walsenholm is um, my co-founder and the CEO and uh, we had a tiny little stand down the back and one little poster and a couple of postcards but we announced our arrival and we had a, a, a basically a prototype of what we wanted to do but it got sufficient interest that we were able to build off the back of it right but, uh, right. So, but the, I, I guess the original the first we started talking about it in about 2008 it took us about three years to to uh, to get funded, really. Right, we right. Got, we started in England and ended up getting funded well, in America. What have you found to be the evolution? I mean, it's amazing. I do remember the times when digital comics were, like, treated with fear and loathing. I mean, literally, when you brought it up, people were running away from it. And, you know, I understand the reasons why. You know, obviously now it's been proven that digital isn't going to kill comics. It's just expanding them. But, I mean, you're digging in in an even more hands-on way and that you offer a a digital platform, you know, that that with your motion motion they're not called motion comics. So. No, they're called motion books, but motion you know, books. That yeah. could probably change. But I, you know, <laughs> but I there you know, there's been a lot of questions, there's been a lot of skepticism, but can you talk a little bit about the evolution as you've done this, of the reception of this idea? I yeah. mean, has it been overcoming objections or embraced or it was interesting, I think because uh, the first three chapters that we launched uh, at San Diego, literally, yeah, three San Diegos ago, when we had the, the first chapters, um, they were so far evolved and so far removed from the sort of pan and scan type stuff we'd seen before. And also, there was two other key factors. One was that you weren't just watching, so it wasn't like a passive experience. Uh, 
and the other one was that it was reading so you control the process you know there wasn't a voiceover that would uh, I mean I always find when I watch a motion comic that, that it, it, it seems really slow and painful and doesn't doesn't sort of engage you and it was really key, uh, key to us as creators because all of us are from a different background and we had which is why the people we involved at the start were people like Dave Gibbons and Bill Sakevich and Brian Bolland did a cover and lots of really well established sort of legends of the industry we all really cared deeply about print but we could see that it was definitely going to go to digital anyway so what did this space what was available in this space what would make it different and I think when you're working with visionaries like that who are prepared to sort of push at the boundaries and just see what's what's uh, what's out there then you start to evolve into a whole new area and for me it just felt like this isn't really comics it's something else it's another way for us to tell our stories and as writers and creators certainly you know we're the best experts at this in the world of putting pictures and words together right um, we're also the ones that tell stories about multiple universes and zombies and you know, whatever you want to think. So just on a, on a visionary scale, this is the most fertile um, set of creative uh, uh, artists and writers than I can think of in any other medium on the planet. Um, so when you put those things together and you just say go and play, it, it gets quite exciting. And I think when the app came out and people saw it and they read it, um, change their mind pretty quickly we, we've stayed five star for the whole time which is ridiculous we're still the number one app in the in the book section and on the ios uh store and, and retained that, that that's ratings since we since we started and i think when people looked at it they just thought actually this is this is different it's not the same thing uh, it's not trying to cannibalize print and, and also now we're printing we, we actually we went the other way the, the other part of the thesis was like if you're going to go digital and make it digital uh, we all love print so obviously we want to see this as books but this is like it's just the same material told in a very different kind of way. Right. Uh, so, so, uh, so, oh, I'm sorry, go no, on. No, no. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm curious as to, so, um, yeah, you've just announced today uh, a new, you've been involved with DeviantArt for a while, yeah. right? At first you were making the tools that you offer, like, available to everyone on DeviantArt, but today uh, you've announced a whole new section. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, we, uh, we've always been been very keen to signal that we're about creators. That was that was why we set the company up in the first place, and that's why you know, two two of us uh, are creators first and foremost. One of the frustrations I've had over the years is is how do you get your own material out there? It's not it's really not easy, even if you're established. It doesn't matter if you've drawn some of the biggest books out there. You you can still struggle, and, and the amount of pitches that. The amount of time and, and energy and pages I've drawn on pictures that I just couldn't get out there um, and had no control over. It just is ridiculous. <laughs> so, so that was very much at the heart of it. And the deviant art community is is all about creators. It's the biggest creative community in the world. It's 16 years old. It's a very mature community. It's growing. It's uh, it's learning. It, there are creators on there with massive followings. So we had a book, Milk for the Uglies, that was built in the motion book um, tool that came out just before San Diego, or the week of San Diego. And that's had something like 750,000 views now. I mean, it's free, but 
they, they, these people are building their audiences right. and they can capitalize right. and, and when you get that kind of view then a lot of people are facing it in right. towards you right so so what we've done today is make the material that people have been building on DeviantArt, no matter how basic, uh, no matter what age group, available in a section, in a sort of catch-all section on the app. Ah, okay. So people can see, you know, if someone's just done a parallax cover or, or they've written something in prose, but it's got a kind of slightly animated section to it. Or, or, or a lot of people, we have, a, we have a capacity in the tool just to do a print or PDF-type reading experience. Really basic, but it's just, you know, true to the... The, the kind of passion of the origins of comics. Basically, it's, it's a comic, but it's on a digital format. So some people are making just comics in that digital space. Some people are creating stuff that moves more towards animation. Some people are doing illustrated book type stuff. There's fan art on there, so right. there's My Little Pony stuff. So if you go through this portal on your on your app, it's it's kind of a discovery portal, basically. Yeah. So we've got there's two there's a deviant art section. And in that, there's two areas. We've we've done a sort of uh, a catch-all area, which we've just called uh, sketchbooks. And then there's a uh, hot books, which is just some that we've curated into a, the first one. Is just a bunch that I picked um, that I thought were <laughs> worthy of uh, you know a little extra attention. Um, so it's it, and it's really for me what I love about it is it's just. It's from the hobbyist level all the way up to the pro level, you know, it really it gives anybody who's got a passion can publish their book on DeviantR in moments, minutes. Um, and it doesn't matter what level they're going to be. What was the, the book that you mentioned before that it sold 750,000 copies? Yeah, it's Milk for the Ugly. Milk uh, for the Ugly. It's, uh, it's an astonishing thing. It's a beautiful build. It's very unique. The, the two girls that did it are, are from Poland, and they have um, an extremely unique style. Um, but the build's exceptional, uh, and it's a little horror story. Now, do you find that... Uh, I mean, what do you think it is that makes a success in this in this channel, so to speak? It's interesting. It's not always obvious. You know, things catch fire in, in bizarre and unique ways. Um, some of it is to do with what I, what I think is pretty much a new marketing thing that's going on on, on DeviantArt. Uh, Marketing, so I, I don't like to use that word because it makes it sound sort of too corporate. Yeah, but, it, it, it's but kind of a natural growing... People are growing their own right. communities. Yeah, right? but I mean, to be honest, I mean, I know marketing sounds very cold, and yet you need to be yeah, your you own do. marketer. So, yeah. you know, whether it's given a different name, it's still kind of the same concept. I know. It's, it's, the, it's, the, uh, it's the old artist in me just going, ah! I know, I know, I know. But anyway, so what... So, so I mean, what, what people... What, even is fantastic for is if you engage it as a community and you treat it like a community and you you um, talk to other artists and you look at their stuff and you you get properly involved in it you can very quickly build a, a good following in that environment um, and you can start to test your audience by you know, putting character sketches up involving them in the process of that development uh, and then people what happens then is that you you future audience is invested in this right. growing property right. Right. Uh, and has something to say about it and then it really cares about right. it. So 
this this is kind of a new thing. What what seems to be happening is that everything that used to be spread out into different areas, whether it, you know, going back to the term marketing or the or the audience or the fans or the creators, or it's it's all becoming democratized within this space. So you end up with. As I said, amateurs next to the best guys in the world, uh, and they all have their own fans. And they have, you know, a lot of these people who are just amateurs. In a way, it makes them more approachable. It's kind of, you know, and it also it's also I think inspiring to other creators because it, it, it encourages people to keep having a go. I think a lot of people just stop drawing at some point, you know. And in this space, I think when you get into a community like that, even if you've not really got the chops, you just carry on drawing for the fun That's of it. True. And it becomes a good thing. You know? That's true. Now, what about you personally, Liam? Now, you have an awesome, uh, you know, resume, awesome bookshelf of books that you've worked on. Uh, I think... Uh, not most recently, but one that jumps to my mind is Testament uh, that you did with Douglas Rushkoff, which yeah. was absolutely amazing. Uh, wonderful book, and I think we might have talked about that it might be coming back. Into, it's available online. It's available it's via comment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is it? It is. It's on the Medfire right. well, app. Well, Heidi's recommendation, don't check out that Medfire app. Download Testament, okay? Uh, read Testament by Douglas Rushkoff and, and Liam. I remastered it all as well, so I've really boosted the colors and done some rework with some of the not-so-good art. And right, then, right. Um, so it, it's, a, it's actually a whole new package. You can get a whole omnibus mm-hmm. edition, or you can download each of the individual four, four trades. Well, Heidi, Heidi's a thumbs up on that. But um, what are you doing creatively? for yourself besides you know preaching traveling the world preaching the made fire gospel Um, I have a book called Captain Stone on there which is uh, very much a motion book in the app it it hardly reads or looks like a comic at all it's actually pretty progressed but we are putting it out it's a with Titan as a print version in December, finally, which I'm extremely excited about. So we have previews here, which is... Now, uh, how was the uh, transition from a motion book to print? Surprisingly, it wasn't as, it wasn't as tough as I expected. Um, it, it's, it was really fun going back with and, and, and having to rethink the artwork and put it all together in a different way. But the, the, it's still just pictures and words, you know? So... You can be a little bit more creative because you've got all these assets. So you, I, I think it's probably a little bit more avant-garde and probably owes more to sort of something like Electra Assassin than it does to uh, mainstream titles at the moment. But then that's where my heart lies anyway. Right, right. Now, was there aspects of the uh, motion book version of it that really excited you? I mean, was there any storytelling points? Not to be spoilers, but were there some things you did in there that really excited you? Or? Oh. Every, every time I get in the tool, which isn't often enough, I, I probably get to draw a couple of days out of every month these these days. Oh dear. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a bit... I'm pretty busy. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, then, it's, it's so open. Um, I, I just did a talk to some students earlier today um, in New York, uh, when we were just talking about that process, actually. And one of the things... But um, it's actually our production manager pointed it out. When he, he said, you actually go in the tool and, and then work within it. And it's true, I upload my assets. I don't really plan it before I've got my assets in the tool. And then I just move them around and um, you know, just try 
try things and just uh, sometimes an idea will occur to you that's just about a transition or how you can do something and you, know, you might do a tiny animated section. I, I just find the whole process really sort of freeing. And there is uh, there is very there's some very specific things that are different. So you you don't have the boundaries of the you don't have the, the, the panel boundaries anymore. So it becomes time based, right? Um, which means that you can reveal imagery from say the bottom right of the page, and it can sort of step stone out uh, until it ends off at the top right. left. And you can wow. do the same with the lettering; it can just pop up anywhere on the page, and you don't have a problem with it uh, so long as you control the output. Uh, and it, it really kind of breaks down so many things that you wouldn't expect. And the two, the other main thing I think that really works is almost a surprise, um, but kind of seems obvious for today: comedy and horror. Because you've got the shock element, you can have a, a piece that you're just reading, and you can be halfway through reading a caption, and suddenly you know something will something will happen in the image that, that you wouldn't expect—a loud noise or uh, you know the. Uh, yeah, right, that's image, right, that's right. Or something hilarious, like yeah, a banana something peel, funny. yeah. Or, or even funnier than that. Yeah, timing, <laughs> that's right. And now you can use this tool, like the tool is available to everybody, yes. right? Yeah. So you can just go on there and and sign up for this, uh, go through, is it, uh, you know, sign up for the main fire storytelling tool and then go out there and, and do this. Yes. You can do your own comedy, your own horror, just, you know, to make this clear to people that it is it is readily available. Yes. Have you and Douglas Rushkoff talked at all about doing something else together? I mean, he's such a, you know, futurist, media maven. I mean, it seems like he'd be, he'd be well up for it. No, no, but we must. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> there um, you go. I've been so slammed, it's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah, and yes, you can. You can. There's a couple of ways in. You can go to the website and you can sign up by that, which is just madefire.com. Or you can go to DeviantArt, and if you've already got an account at DeviantArt, um, when you go to the upload section where you would normally upload art, there's a, there's a new button there that says make a motion book. Can, can you make a GIF with uh, your Madefire? You can now. We have a oh, okay. to do that. Then that's I'm going to download it right now because I need to make a lot. I got to learn as a. I got to learn to make better gifs. I got to tell you, my. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's my new goal in life. Gif it up. Gif it up. Um, so, uh, you know, what else should we look for for Bayfire in the next uh, next little while? We've we've been really opening up. The, the the big expansion has been about bringing on just print books. I mean, we. It was always important, again, to me to signal the fact that we are all about comics. We love comics. We're not just about motion. We're not trying to change anything. We're just trying to create options, you know. So from right the way from one end to the, from the, you know, the most amateur to the most uh, incredible all-singing, all-dancing bells and whistles uh, piece of work, we wanted to be able to facilitate whatever anyone wanted to do. So the print book section, we have two big sections. One is the motion book section, one is the print book section. Um, the print book section has been growing hugely. We've got pretty much all the main publishers on there now. They're just PDF type reads, so you can just have your library on there as well. Um, and uh, that's, I mean, that's just, that's been a huge success, much bigger than we probably could have ever expected. It's, it's been a ton of work. We've got 2,000 books in there now. Right, right. So, uh, Did you find at all that um, you can, you know, not to um, 
tread on delicate territory here, but uh, you can go into the app and download your comics or oh, buy yeah, the yeah. comics, yeah, yeah. which is something you can't do. I, I should do perhaps a better known comics portal app uh, that people mentioned. Um, is it, did you find that after uh, the, you know in-app purchases were disabled in uh, the, the the industry leader that perhaps it increased in your own app? Um, well, yeah, it definitely had uh, it had an effect. <laughs> you know, um, and I think it. Yes, I think it's, that was that was a, a look, that was an unexpected, unforeseen, very nice little uh, side effect for us. And, no, okay, well, um, um, yeah. yeah. It's just really, really exciting. <laughs> well, there you go. You never know where these business windfalls are going to come from. <laughs> um, so, well, uh, this is great. I mean, Madefire, we always look at you to be innovative and uh, move forward with our, as I like to call it, future comics. Uh, and I'm sure there will be more comics in your future, Liam. So thank you so much. Enjoy enjoy the rest of your Comic-Con. Thanks, Heidi. <laughs> Pleasure.